righty, who's ready to get extreme? Now, uh, this time out, uh, me and Chris are going to be discussing the epic two-part Spider-Man slash X-Force sabotage crossover. And, I mean, let's not delay. How about you tell the folks what happens in this uh, oh, in this man. epic story? This is great. There's so much to talk about here. I mean, we got two full uh, two full issues of stuff yeah. to talk about, Chris. So I yeah, I don't know. Let's we got a lot to lot to go through. So buckle up, folks. Uh, I'll I'll start the uh, start the synopsis. So <laughs> go for it. In this episode, we got uh, Spidey, and of course, we met him last episode, and he teams up with X Force, our good buddies, drawn by Rob Liefeld. This one has a splash of McFarland, and they take on the Juggernaut. Now, in the background, we see Cable, and he's with, um, who's he teamed? Oh, it's him and who's Cable with? He's just by himself. He breaks away from uh, Sunspot oh, yes. and friggin' Gideon, and, and he goes off on his own. That's right. So he tries to kill Black Tom. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, both of these things are happening simultaneously, mm -hmm. but just before anything can go down, Deadpool actually intervenes and saves Black Tom and the Juggernaut. Mm -hmm. Some buildings fall down because basically they stop drawing backgrounds, mm -hmm. and... That's our show. Cool. All right, um, Perfect. Yeah thanks, yeah, thanks for doing that. Um, how about no you problem, tell people man. where they can find you on the internet? Yep, you can find me at charlton underscore hero. You can find me on the Twitter as well. You can check me out on Moratory Mondays um, over here every single Monday on the Chris and Reggie Network. And, brother, it was a great time. Thanks for having me, Chris. Right, thank you. We will talk to you again next month. See ya. The nose knows tough. <laughs> Okay, okay. Right, maybe maybe right. <laughs> <laughs> we were maybe we were trying to uh trying to say that not much actually happens no. in these two books. <laughs> no, no, but we we will actually go deep in this. Uh there are a lot of pages, um a lot of splash pages, but really um when you break it down to its components, that's that's all that happens is what we just said. But uh <laughs> they get we're two gonna... issues and we were not like we were trying to add some fluff to that synopsis and there was just no way to do it. But anyway, yeah. by God, we got a fully loaded episode for you and strap in because we got McFarlane. We got Liefeld. We got all the glorious nineties all in two issues. So I can't wait. It's true. It's true. And this is actually uh, going to be Todd McFarlane's to our knowledge, last Marvel art ever or last Marvel story, last Marvel art it's uh we got we got some stuff to talk about here uh, unfortunately yeah. not not everything is playing out on the page but uh and todd todd goes out with a blazing fart <laughs> it is a whimper <laughs> it is a whimper here um now we do have two issues but the and the first one is not even an x book it is spider-man uh adjectiveless spider-man number 16 okay. uh just like everything we discussed today it has a november 1991 cover date uh this is sabotage part one by Todd McFarlane. Now, worth noting, it has a special assist credit from Rob Liefeld, which um, we will find out later on is a little bit laughable uh, because I, I think I think Rob's assisting on this one was actually him sitting in the corner watching Todd draw and go, "Oh my God, you're screwing up Cable. How do you screw up Cable?" Well, well, <laughs> well Rob certainly didn't read this issue. Is <laughs> no, the thing because next issue, not. his ish, his half of this crossover is wildly different. Um, now the colors <laughs> I, are by. I, oh, go ahead. I blame DeFalco. Anyway, oh, of course it's DeFalco. Of course it's DeFalco. Now the colors come from Greg Wright. Letters Chris Iliopoulos. Edits Danny Fingeroth, editor in chief. Oh, that's Tom DeFalco. Boom. And uh, this <laughs> this was one of those. You know, heavy priced books. This is a dollar seventy five. So uh, if you were just an X Force reader and you were prepared to spend a dollar on this, well, you'd only get uh, you'd only get about you know uh, 
eh, a little bit over half the book. Uh, they'd have to tear it up for you. But uh, now this issue opens, as you mentioned during the uh, very in-depth synopsis that we started with. Uh, we did see Spider-Man swoop in last issue, and we pick up with a little bit more of that. Now, he is swooping into this battle, and he's avoiding some flung debris. There's ground, all bunch of rubble and debris just flying everywhere. Uh, we got the Juggernaut. He is loaded for bear against Warpath, and the streets of New York City have been torn up real, real good. And number one, I talked about this last episode, but what an excellent version of the Juggernaut we're seeing here. So mm-hmm. McFarland seems to be inspired. I mean, he is going out with the bang. This is his last issue. I don't think the fans really realized what was happening here. Or maybe <laughs> not even, maybe not even editorial at this point. Sure. But uh, but man, the um, the entire the entire thing here with the Juggernaut it was a perfect perfect excellent version of him and todd seems ready to go for this crossover now his warpath on the other hand leaves a little bit to be desired he's got that gumpy kid's face Mm -hmm. uh but todd i will give him this he is the king of drawn debris brother he -hmm. made a career i mean a full career of just you know adding extra detail where it never existed before take a look what he did with spider-man i mean Mm -hmm. he did contortions with spider-man his characters were crap, but I mean, his webbing, his articulation, and the debris is what really set that book apart. And we're seeing it here in full force. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we got quite a few uh, Todd-isms in this opening splash page. It's worth noting, um, these are the Sideways books. Uh, yes. Both Spider-Man 16 and X-Force number 4, you have to read them on their side. Um, this was uh, touted as a feature. All it really is is a pain in the ass. <laughs> You know, if you're trying to, it's like you can't really hold it in your hands and get the full thing. You have to, like, lay it out somewhere to read it. Um, maybe I just have, a, you know, smaller appendages than most. I don't know. But it's, uh, <laughs> it is a pain to read um, and to hold. Maybe if you're reading it digitally, it's easier. But uh, it, it, it's not really a storytelling problem. It's more of just a holding problem. But uh, in here, we have a two-page splash on its side. With Juggernaut, we got quite a few of those Toddisms. We got a street sign that reads Cyan, which is Todd's daughter, and we got the name Wanda scrolled on some rubble, and Wanda is his wife. Uh, I think we're probably just like a Felix the Cat away from the Todd Fecta here, you know? Um, Todd was known to hide Felixes in his art. Uh, There is, it's worth noting, a giant Indicia box on this page, so maybe Felix is covered by by that indicia so or maybe i just missed it maybe it is there in plain sight and i just didn't see it (laughs) now uh spider-man decides to forego this fight for now and instead he's going to head up to the top of the exploded world trade center to maybe see if he can help anybody out up there at this point feral and shatterstar they come rushing out of the building to give james you know proud star a little bit of a much needed backup yes and thank god i will say this when you look (laughs) at mcfarland's art uh, I mean, he's pretty off, you know, off model when it comes to drawing X-Force, but I guarantee yeah. you he does an amazing Feral. It's one of the, yes. it's one of the one characters that he actually improves on, you know, Rob's version of it. It's, it's just weird. The other ones are, have this rubbery vibe to him. Does that make sense? They have the blobby like, noses. Yeah. They have the blobby noses. They have like a, almost a cartoonish type look, which, which sometimes detracts because some of the body work and some of the detail that he adds is, is really incredible until you get to the yeah. face. There's just something off with the faces of these people, but he nails Farrell here. 
Yeah, yeah. The uh, it's almost like an uncanny mask he gives people, like just like yes. a weird rubbery mask. And it's uh, yeah, it's not always pleasant to look at. And it, like you said, it does distract from the rest of the uh, you know the stellar and no no sarcasm there, stellar art. It's um, the it's the whole uh, Ben Cooper mask. That's what they look like. They look like they're <laughs> they're like Halloween costume versions of the X Force. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> now before this fight can commence, a Cannonball comes barreling into the scene and he plows directly into Juggernaut's chest. <laughs> the Cannonball scene. He's got like this Jim Carrey like contortion on his face. He's got like <laughs> the pointy chin. He's almost got like that Joker toothy grin with yes. like the long point to the chin. Uh, he's like way off model and juggernaut <laughs> himself, man, I don't know how many teeth you could possibly just look, <laughs> just look in the mirror next time. And I want you to smile and I want you to draw your smile right across your face, like pull it as tight as possible. <laughs> how many teeth can you show at once? Because like, it seems like the juggernaut displays 900 teeth in one grin here. <laughs> but I guarantee you, just trying to pull your face back that far to show that many teeth is a lot of work, man. Just try it. <laughs> just, just as I know that people are listening right now, just pull your cheeks all the way back. And I mean, there try to go. display all your teeth. It's going to hurt. I guarantee it you. Will. But, but anyway, I digress. It's, Keep it's going to pinch for sure. Uh, <laughs> now, like we said, Juggernaut, is, I mean, uh, Cannonball is just barreling into the scene. Unfortunately for him, however, he just bounces off Juggernaut's chest and he, uh, winds up hitting him so hard he ricochets off of Juggernaut's chest and bounces right into Spider-Man, who's still swinging by. <laughs> uh, we jump back into the towers here, and Cable, oh boy, last time we talked about his armor, his weird insectoid armor, which looks just like plates of metal strewn on him. It's like It's almost like he has magnetic powers and he I- can't control them. I thought you were. I thought you were being hard about. I thought you were being really tough on Cable last. I was going to correct you, but then I looked at that and I said, "Man, that is one piece of garbage Cable's wearing right there. It's It's really bad. It it's too big. It Mm -hmm. jumps from incredibly huge to mid level to just this bizarre form. Like it's all over the place. And every single and you see McFarlane, he can't even get it right. Nope. Nope. Uh, so we got Cable in his armor, Domino and Siren. They're still chatting up Sunspot and friggin' Gideon. <laughs> Check out McFarland's Gideon. Uh, <laughs> he's the only like the dark and brooding character that he seems to draw in this book, and it's actually very good. I got to yeah. be honest with you. I I'm digging his Gideon, and that's uh, that's saying a lot when you're talking about a character like Gideon. Yep. But now Cable, <laughs> on the other hand, is just a masterclass in how not to draw Cable. Yeah. It is hot garbage. Todd McFarlane wouldn't have lasted very long, man, in the like the Lee Kirby Busima era of Marvel. Because I mean they had this incredible house style, you know yeah. what I mean? Can you imagine Todd McFarlane trying to draw like a John Ramita type model? Oh no. It, it, he could never do it, I'm telling you right now. As good as you as people think his work is back in the nineties, he can't hold a candle or a flame to the uh to like a Ramita. Absolutely not. For sure, for sure. Now as they're chatting, Black Tom has gone missing. Uh, Cable assures everyone that he's going to track Black Tom down. (laughs) And he's going to track him with his out-of-control woolly eyebrows. Oh, dude, thank you. Yes. What is the deal with that? Anyway, did Rob ever draw Cable's eyebrows like that, or is it just me? You know, that might have been a detail Rob left off altogether, uh, much less... I mean, these things are huge. He looks like one of those Emperor Penguin, you know, things. He looks like that. He looks like that university teacher that, like, Smelled like cobwebs and 
<laughs> like mothballs. Mothballs and Werther's Originals. Yes, and, and like wretched coffee. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Now, we jump back to the street where, uh, hey, guess what? The fight is still continuing. Uh, Spidey sets Sam down and decides it's probably high time that he makes his presence felt. After all, Juggernaut's basically just toying with these, you know, these X-Force kids at this point. Now, Juggernaut says, how many heroes are in this town? Which, I mean, you're in New York City, right? Um, <laughs> so, like, all of them. Uh, but which, you know, which makes it even stranger that only Spider-Man shows up when the World Trade Center explodes. <laughs> when you think about uh, when you think about how the universes are structured, you know, what between like Marvel and DC at this time, mm-hmm. DC Comics definitely had the advantage here. I mean, they didn't base all their heroes like Marvel under one zip code. You yeah. know what I mean? Everybody doesn't live in New York. Everybody doesn't have, you know, belong on Yancey Street. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yet, yet when you had Shooter in charge, it made for like unified stories but uh clearly those days are gone here (laughs) oh for sure yeah i mean uh, how many books do you think spider-man appeared in this week at marvel back when it came out oh my god i would say it's astronomical i'd say Mm -hmm. he makes an appearance or at least a splash page in every book that month just about and i mean how many books that came out this month took place in new york city that never mentioned that the world trade center exploded Probably all you, well, of them. None yeah, of them. I bet you. I bet, no, no, nothing means anything. So what happens in one book doesn't translate to the other one. No. And that was the the model of the shooter regime. If something happens, you know, it it's it slipped. Yeah, it slipped yeah. over into other books. So anyway, for sure. For sure. We're not no. there. No, we're not. Uh, now back inside the building here, Gideon and Cable are getting a little catty toward one another, and a really lame and forced argument commences uh, <laughs> over the course of actually a few pages. Uh, it winds up that Cable basically, you know, sons Gideon before getting about uh, his business. He's like, you don't talk anymore. It's like, Man, okay. Cable shuts Gideon down big time. <laughs> After he lets him run his mouth by giving him, you know, the ultimate, ultimate shutdown stopper, I guarantee you. So during the heat of the argument, you know what I mean? And he shuts him down by saying, clam up. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. That's telling him by God. <laughs> we jump back outside where Spidey, uh. He shoots some webbing into Juggernaut's eyes, so uh, you know the classics never die, right? <laughs> you think that you think by now that a good old man Marco the Juggernaut would at least have a backup plan for the whole blinding of the eyes thing. I mean, how many times over the years has the Juggernaut been stopped with something in the eyes, or Every the whole, yeah. or whole, or the entire tear the helmet off routine? You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, isn't it obvious by now? It you know it's it's all anyone ever does with the Juggernaut, yet it happens again. It will indeed. Um, now, while Juggernaut is blinded, Spider-Man does that thing like like bullies used to do back in the day, where like he squats behind his knees and then Warpath <laughs> shoves Juggernaut over Spider-Man's knees. So, I mean, like I said, the classics just never die. Um, Absolutely not. It, it doesn't take long for Juggernaut to recover, and uh, just then, for... Almost, I, I, I want to say absolutely no reason at all. The X-Force aircraft flies overhead. The, the hatch swings open and we're dramatically shown Boom Boom. I don't know that she shows up again for the rest of the story, but she is there. Um, <laughs> we swap scenes back inside where we get uh, a, you know, we mentioned this is a sideways book. Another two-page spread of Cable and his armor in all its glory and Honestly, this might be the ugliest page Todd has ever drawn. 
Oh, you are not wrong. And what's funny is that, you know, Rob Liefeld usually gets the heat for, you know, for all things awful in the mm. 90s when the Todd father more or less gets, you know, he gets the pass. Like he gets everything free pass. That Todd, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything that Todd does is amazing. But yet Rob, he gets beat with the stick, man. I mean, think about it. His anatomy is off scale. He's got like mm-hmm. some of the worst faces in the industry. And and guess and Todd, unlike unlike um, Rob Liefeld. Todd seems to run like a scalded dog when things get tough. You notice that? <laughs> oh, I'm quitting. That's it. You didn't. You didn't let me have. Uh, you know, uh, have this happen to one of the characters. I'm gone. I'm done. You know what I mean? Yet Rob would stand there and get pissy and you know out people in public and just fight like a. You know what I mean? Yep. But anyway, now Rob photo. It's like Rob Rob Liefeld's photo was on the dartboard of many fans. Like it's just rock bottom when it comes to style. Yet McFarland just sits there. You know. He's, you know, he's just throwing gas on it and he's up in, Mc, you know, up in McFarland's super tower and just, you know, money going everywhere. I just cry foul on this. Now, it is worth noting here. We did mention that this is a rather ugly spread. Um, <laughs> the tip on Cable's pistol here looks suspect. <laughs> if you did a like a visual history of Cable's guns just from one issue to the next, there is zero consistency from book to book and panel to mm. panel. Trust me. No one cared back then. As long as it was big and it went boom, you know, everybody was digging it. Yet something in the late 2000s, he must have had, you know, he was like the dirt on the industry's toes <laughs> until, you know, the cycle repeated himself and people can't wait for Rob Liefeld's new Snake Eyes book or his next major X title or even this new Eco 92, which is his new hot young blood book, you know, which is keenly disguised as a new concept. But, <laughs> you know, this one here, this particular gun, yeah, it definitely seems like it has uh, uh, phallic possibilities, I would I say. I was going to say, this is a, this is a circumcised um, pistol, <laughs> for sure. For sure. It is very, very unpleasant. Oh, man. <laughs> Now, you know, anytime I look at these uh, new Eco 92 things, I, I can't help but feel just a little bit, you know, sad for Rob. Because, uh, <laughs> like you said, it, it, it's very, very blatant. Um, it it kind of just looks like like he put like a like a some sort of like an image filter, uh, no pun intended, on uh, on some of the old Youngblood art. It's a uh, well, well, what I see, I mean, think about it. If you spent your time and you created a million dollar, and I mean, he made a stack of money off of Youngblood. For sure, If you created a bunch of characters, and I mean, they were very loose, you know, um, anagrams of basically, you know, regular. They were derivative. Oh, yeah, absolutely, they were derivative. But still, they were cool. They were hot back Mm -hmm. in the 90s. I mean, Youngblood was all the rage first when Image launched. And just to have a bad business deal fall through and to have those characters that you created all of a sudden belong to somebody else and to have to audition to be the artist on your own character's book sucks. Yeah. has to be the ultimate slap in the face. And that's what, uh, so basically Rob's rebuttal was to create another team that was almost exactly the same in Eco 92. And uh, mm. yeah, so basically he has young blood back again. <laughs> They're just not young blood. It's, it's just a mess of, uh, of uh, legal mumbo jumbo, but For brutal. Sure. Yeah, and I, I don't understand like how people were like celebrating that he lost his characters. I thought that's 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 kind of a jerk thing to be excited for, to be you know you know pumping your fist about. It, yeah, it's well, almost, guess what? Those some yeah. of those same people, man. I guarantee you, they were lined up at the grocery store picking up that issue of Young Blood. So. Probably, probably, and they might have their pre-orders in already for uh, Eco ninety two. But uh, now back to our story here. We re- we return outside of the World Trade Center for uh, probably what is the most infamous scene from this issue. 
and is in fact reportedly the reason Todd McFarlane quit the book and Marvel Comics. Uh. Um, yeah, we do have a little blurb from Todd's own Facebook page. He says, uh, this is all about a change that needs to be made to art here. And he says to uh, them, I'm assuming it's DeFalco and uh, who is it, Fingeroth, um, yep. says, look, I'll make the change or your staff can. But once this month's book is complete, I'm done. I'm going to leave the book. This last change, which we will cover uh, in, in detail in just a little bit, was the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. It was no more important or burden to me than all the prior requests. I just felt with my first child a few months away, and then it was a good time to step away. Catch my breath and play dad for a while. And, of course, during the time away, the idea of image comics began to percolate, but he'll tell that story a different time. I don't think that's entirely accurate. These guys, during before all of this, Mm -hmm. had Image Comics characters actually in mind and already ready to go to Malibu. They actually did a video with Stan Lee, Rob Mm -hmm. and Todd. And Todd, yep. Where they actually were drawing some of these characters right in front of Stan Lee. So (laughs) nobody is going to tell me that Image Comics had begun to percolate after this. I cry bullshit on that. Yeah. No, for sure, for sure. That's uh, it's a, a little bit of convenient revisionist history here to make uh, to make him seem like a nicer guy, I think, and not yeah. that this was some sort of a power play. Uh, included in this Facebook, uh, you know, I was going to call it a Facebook tweet. It's like a, I'm a I'm an 80 year old man here. Um, now he has these two <laughs> photos on his Facebook post. Uh, both of them are the page that is going to be this big change to the Spidey book, which he says is the last Spidey book he ever drew, issue 16. And uh, the panel to look at is the last one. It's on this page here. And it has uh, the Juggernaut and Shatterstar. Now, Shatterstar is jamming his sword through Juggernaut's eye very um, explicitly. Oh, definitely. Yes. And uh, he says here, after some silly phone conversations, they needed the sword to not be poking his eye. So uh, in the issue itself, it's only heavily implied that the eye has been gouged out. Um, of course it is, but uh, in, the, in the actual original art, which we will include uh, on uh, 90sxmen.com, it's very explicit. Uh, <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, you, you've got you've got a piercing, you've got you know the eyeball being separated, you've got blood literally squirting out of, yeah. his, out of his face, and you've got the look of absolute horror on the Juggernaut's face, but mm-hmm. he has healing power, people. That, that ain't going to hurt the Juggernaut. <laughs> It's uh, it is pretty uh crazy to look at because I mean, especially looking at it with our you know I hate to say 2020 vision, but uh, we are in the year 20, um, where this seems like pretty tame. Uh, you know this oh, doesn't yeah. seem all that explicit. But when you jump back to 1991 and uh, you realize that uh, this was tying into a very popular X title, you can almost see the point. Um, but you know it's like. It's really an indictment on just how much Todd had previously been able to get away with. And oh. and we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go along here. Um, yeah, the scene we get instead is basically you have Shatterstar. He's coming towards Juggernaut. And then it just goes to like a like a red panel with like blood spurts and like a splish, you know. Uh, it, it actually, you know what? The the secondary panel, the, the one that we call Tamer. The actually works one. Yeah. yeah, it works better for me. It does. 
Because your imagination, like, especially with the the red panel and the, you know, the blood spurt, I mean, that was, you know, just like, whoa, what just happened here? Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas regards to you get the you get the full version of it and it really, I don't know, I, I like the tamer version. I got to be quite me honest too. with you. Me too. It definitely, when you see the full explicit version, it kind of falls a little flat and it just looks, it just looks like it's trying too hard to be gory. Um, oh, yeah. Which, you know, it is part and parcel for, for some of this era, but it's strange how just this like random page from a weird sideways crossover issue was the, <laughs> was the straw that broke uh, Todd's back here. You know, it's very, very no. strange stuff. I mean, let's be fair here. I mean, Todd had threatened to quit halfway through his run on Amazing anyway, and they were just only managing to keep him like docile until the numbers of the books gave him a voice. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's when all of a sudden he had power. That's when he gained traction because now all of a sudden he has a voice. He's got a massive audience who's paying millions of dollars for this book. And, you know, Todd was also spinning deals behind the scenes. So suddenly Marvel or McFarlane, I should say, didn't need Marvel. Yeah. So this was pretty convenient that this happened. You know what I mean? It was a, a, a large excuse, in my opinion. I mean, he could he could literally punch a huge paycheck no matter what company or what studio he chose. I mean, he could, he was he could have had to pick a litter back then. Let's let's be honest. DC would definitely would have grabbed McFarlane. Oh, 100%. I, I guarantee you that. Mm-hmm. And that's that's when your colleagues become dangerous, man, because, you know, when they no longer need to work somewhere, that's when the company loses powers over worker. Let me tell you that. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. In, in, <laughs> in, in in my workplace, you know what I mean? Uh, I mean, that that's when someone has power over you. I mean, if you have a colleague who acts a certain way and does a certain thing, and then he has nothing to lose? Well, he's not going to listen. He's not going to put up with any crap. And I've been in that position myself. But, I mean, he hated being, you know, creatively shunted, that's for sure. I mean, ever since The Amazing Spider-Man, I mean, they were putting the creative boots to Todd McFarlane, you know what I mean? He had a vision of Spider-Man, which I will say... You know, visually was nice, but creatively was just the shits, in my opinion. (laughs) Because, I mean, I remember reading adjectiveless Spider-Man, you know, one through four. And I just thought, I was like, this story, it like has no purpose. He's fighting the lizard. You know, it's dark, but it's definitely not enjoyable. After every issue, I was like, yuck. You know what I mean? But anyway, I I digress. That's it. No, it's it's because like uh, like we were alluding to earlier here, I mean... You have, uh, like, isn't it like a story? I think like the second or third story, I think Wolverine as a guest star. And it's like all predicated on like really hardcore child abuse. Yes. uh, And like in, in, even in the, uh, I think, I'm not sure if it was a lizard story or the one that followed it, but like a kid gets his like face jammed into like some, like cursed holy water or something that becomes like a demon. It was the, it was the second one because it was like yes, the, the hobgoblin one. was now demonic or something Ugh. after a run in with uh, some character or another. But uh, yeah, I mean these were dark dark stories where uh, when Todd figures he can get away with having a very explicit uh, you know sword through the eyeball sort of a deal here. Um, I, this just showed what he was able to do, uh, on, you know, on his own. He was able to get away with the darker stuff. The more I hate using the word mature because, I mean, a, a knife going through an eyeball isn't terribly mature. And, and I think that Marvel at the time had enough sales going on that not only were they getting sick of McFarland's crap. Yeah, I think I think that they cut ties with them. And, you know, if they're you're truly giving someone, you know, free editorial reign over their property. 
you know, you're not going to step in and start start you know pigeonholing him and picking sure. on him like like panels and such like that. But I think that that Marvel had enough of him too, man. It's pretty it's clear. Very good possibility. Very. Yeah. I, I'm I'm with you there. Uh, now we have uh, back to the story. Juggernaut. He looks pained, but he still shrugs off the attack because you know he does have those uh, healing properties thanks to the Sidorak gem. Um, now he lunges at Spider-Man and he drives him into and topples a nearby building. It might be one of the Twin Towers. It's not entirely clear. And it will never be clear what building went down because <laughs> the second part of the crossover, which we'll discuss in just a little bit in X-Force number four, there are zero backgrounds. Not a thing. Zero background. So we don't know not if a, a building – maybe every building in New York City came down. I, that's the only <laughs> thing that we can presume here. But uh, yes, that's how this one ends with uh, Spider-Man being run into a building and the building toppling down atop them. Um, This issue actually wraps up with a farewell to Todd. Um, On the cover, it actually has like a see ya Todd or something like that written on it. But uh, we don't get a letters page here. In lieu of a letters page, uh, we get Todd's farewell address and thank yous. And uh Yes, he, he makes sure to tell us that he's not leaving this book or this company out of anger. It's <laughs> it's just that he's a father now and wants to have more family time, or he's about to become a father and wants more family time. Yeah, that's the ticket. That's the ticket. See? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to do at all with Creative Freedom or that Malibu project because that's going to become Image Comics. Nope, nothing at all. You know, <laughs> all is good with the rockers, brother. That is until DeFalco goes through the barbershop window and Todd basically, <laughs> with every, he pulls every young artist at once yep. out of Marvel. Like, all is well? I don't think so. Yeah, it's a. Uh... It's very funny here. They, they, the whole thing, this whole letters page is just like him listing names of people that he wants to thank. It's uh, <laughs> even to the last letter of this book, Todd's got all the control. <laughs> it's crazy stuff. And and uh, yeah, he remember, he, he is not leaving because he is ticked off. He is just going to be a family man. I wonder I wonder where this sat. Did they ever do like a. Um like a Mighty Marvel checklist at this time. I wonder where that sit or what the blurb said about Todd's pa- Todd's uh, passing. Listen to me. Todd's departure. <laughs> I wonder. Now, you know, I didn't see anything in the bullpen bulletins, but I, I don't know if they, uh, I don't know if this is actually something they wanted to draw attention to. I uh, bet you they buried that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, they wanted people to come back for Spider-Man number 17 with, uh, <laughs> I believe it was Rick Leonardi who did like the next couple of issues. And then Eric Larson settles in until, you know, the oh, big departure. You're a good friend. <laughs> everyone's good friend now uh oh <laughs> mcfarlane i call him <laughs> now we, we jump into the second part and hey it's finally an x title this is x-force number four again november 1991 cover date sabotage colon part two and uh the credits read as an in your face jam being brought Ooh. to us by the plot and art of rob liefeld the f- balloon stuffing of fabian niciesa Letters by Rosen and Iliopoulos. Uh, so we need two letterers for this. Uh, colorists, uh, Brian Murray. Edits, Bob Harris. Chief, Tom DeFalco. And this one is only $1 American. So, uh, All right. I love that. It's only a buck. And man, cheap. I'd say the letterer got halfway through this issue and was like, you know what, guys? You can <laughs> you can letter this shit yourself. <laughs> there's nothing going to save this one. Oh, and you know... One of the things that we like really set to do when we started, you know, this X-Force segment was that we wanted to really we want to extol some of the virtues of it and like 
take people back to the past where this was very, very exciting. And the first three issues, yeah, I mean, we had a lot of fun with them. But, you know, we still pointed out that they were, you know, historically important, not only for, you know, for the X-Men lore, but for the industry. This issue, it's hard to do that Um, because, uh, I mean, we get a – this issue actually opens up with a warning, okay? The warning says that the story started in Spider-Man number 16, and then we're told to pick it up as you go along. Oh, that's like someone giving you the like the gift of genital warts. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, those poor innocent X Force readers just having to endure that Spider-Man issue is just a horrifying thought. Man. Now uh, we're, we're going to find out as we as we you know pick it up here yeah, that that's a lot. Uh, it's far easier said than done here. Um, the first half dozen pages, and remember this is all sideways. Uh, this is just more of the fight between Juggernaut and X Force with Spider-Man. And somewhere along the line, Domino has joined the fight. That's what I was trying to say earlier. I remembered it was Cable and Domino, but yeah, yeah. she just suddenly appears out of the blue here, which is okay. <laughs> Listen, the amount of thought that went into the Spider-Man issue, it just tells you that it really doesn't matter that Domino appears out of nowhere. So, no. can I can I just say that after seeing that issue with McFarlane, and I mean he was, you know. He was punching the uh, he was punching the clock on that last one. It was but, a paycheck, yeah. But man, it's so great to see Liefeld back drawing his own X Force yeah. here. The bubble noses are gone. You know, you got the gigantic guns and broccoli broccoli florets for hair is everywhere. <laughs> Just what I wanted, Chris. <laughs> it's true. It's true. There's definitely a charm to seeing Liefeld with his uh, with his you know with his team here. Uh, it, after that, is when we started this, I was like, oh man, we're gonna get to see X Force run by Todd, and I was very psyched because it's been forever since i read it and uh yeah it was all rubber masks and uh (laughs) and not not at all the charm that we get here but uh we jump here and uh we get some very uh cringeworthy dialogue Uh, uh, you know it should go without saying sometimes juggernaut asks if x-force is nuts because warpath attempts a fastball special with shatterstar into juggernaut so he says are you nuts and shatterstar says yes perfect yeah so x-force you heard it here first folks x-force is nuts um (laughs) as he's being as shatterstar is being thrown to juggernaut remember he already gouged his eyes out a few minutes ago yes but he's suddenly okay (laughs) he's suddenly okay uh juggernaut calls shatterstar a prancing sob ah i like i like his use of language here what do you think that juggy's saying about shatterstar here with the word prancing i have Hmm. no idea I, I see, no I see uh, Stanley Roper with his hands in the air doing a Tinkerbell here. I think. <laughs> no, after Shatterstar's onslaught, which uh, sort of plays like this is the first time they'd clashed. I mean, remember he did gouge his eyes out just a minute ago. Yes. Now Juggernaut is bleeding from both eyes. He wasn't a panel ago, but now he's it's, bleeding from both eye holes. It's a crimson mask. It's a crimson. Maybe it's just the blood carrying over. That's that's the way I can do it. That's the only thing I can think of. So, so it's like we're left wondering, did the eye trauma actually happen in Spider-Man 16? Or is this like another view of the same scene being played out? Well, we didn't actually get to see the sword go through, you know, with the edited version. So it could be just a splash. It might just be. It might, yeah. <laughs> it's, he, he ran into like a they, they knocked into like a fruit punch vendor or something and it splashed in his face. <laughs> And we also, as mentioned here, we don't have any indication that any building, trade tower or otherwise, was knocked down. So 
the entire cliffhanger from the Todd issue that leads directly into this is is meaningless. <laughs> uh, the plot point's completely overlooked, and you know why? Because Rob Liefeld hates drawing backgrounds or scenery. <laughs> That's just the facts, folks. So we'll never solve that riddle on these two nondescript towers. We can't even call them the Twin Towers because, you know, they're nondescript towers. That's where we leave that. (laughs) Yes. And the funny thing is here is Liefeld got a credit on Spider-Man number 16 as, as, you know, plot assists. Todd does not get a credit on this book. So Rob should know better than anyone what's going on between these two books. He's he's like the only, you know, main dude on both as a credit. I don't know. Maybe, but, uh, maybe McFarlane gave up and just threw it down on the desk and it was like Rob <laughs> Liefeld that actually brought it into Marvel and say, hey, we're going to do a second part to this. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> now, we hop inside the non-toppled tower to find Cable still hunting down Black Tom. Now, he tells Tom he finds him and he tells Tom that he's a dead man. Like, he basically gives him two choices here. He says, either you'll surrender or and die or you'll fight me and die. So... <laughs> There you go. No choice. What, what choices? My God. <laughs> What's behind door number three? <laughs> now, Tom chooses to fight, and so they do. Uh, Cable uh, manages to knock Tom into an elevator shaft where he's ironically hanging onto a cable for dear life. Ah, look at that. Oh, wordplay. Uh, now, Cable with the capital C decides it's time to uh, use his favorite method of uh, murder uh, shooting fish in a barrel. And. <laughs> As, you know, poor Black Tom is hanging there, uh, Cable blasts his Mark 69 Liefeldian Bumble Bomber right into Tom's defenseless face. Ooh, yes, this is crazy. And yep. like Tom, Tom is, uh, is is none to uh, none to the worst for that, actually. He just exactly. falls down the shaft. <laughs> he just falls down the shaft, and he's eventually caught by Deadpool, who blips yes. in out of nowhere and, and spirits him away. And uh, also... Makes this book worth a few more dollars nowadays. Do you, do you think that uh, Liefeld was was padding value at this point? Do you think that he had a clue that Deadpool was going to take off? And he's like, <laughs> well, if I throw Deadpool in here, maybe, just maybe, this book will be worth something. And I can sign it on eBay. Could be. It could very well be. Um, it's funny. Maybe he just maybe it was supposed to be Spider-Man, but the inker didn't get that message. Or the colorist. Oh. It's like, oh, it must be Deadpool. No, no, no. <laughs> Uh, that now, would be hilarious. No, because Deadpool actually tells uh, Black Tom as they're, you know, plummeting down the shaft here that Mr. Tolliver needs him, and they bloop blink right out. Back outside, the Juggernaut fight continues. Man, mm. does this this thing just keeps roaring on? And I mean, literally, there's there's not much going on. No, like it's a, it's wow. it's a couple swings of the fist every page. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's all we get. This is like one of those things that'll put like a 60-minute uh, Ric Flair Broadway to shame here. It's just <laughs> will not end. Um, now, from here, we jump into a, a little aside scene featuring old front butt, G-Dub Bridge. <laughs> and uh, he suggests that uh, he now that now might be the best time to bring Cable down, which, I mean, does this guy think about anything else? That is his sole purpose. He wakes up in the morning, and he's like... <laughs> <laughs> he's got that uh, he's got that mentality i can't wait to kill cable i gotta <laughs> get cable <laughs> i love it you know what that's what makes that character so great though just his complete obsession <laughs> they should do they should put him in the next deadpool movie and just have him just just unbelievably obsessed with him can't have oh, breakfast can't do anything without <laughs> thinking of killing cable it'd be so good 
though, back to the skirmish again. Siren flies up to Juggernaut, and we we alluded to this earlier. He she swipes his helmet. Oh my God! Can you get some straps for that thing or something? Yeah, I mean, that shouldn't be God able to happen, sake. right? Except for every <laughs> single time. Man. Um, now, how did that happen? We're glad you asked. Shatterstar informs him and us that his swords that just gouged out Juggernaut's eyes were were forged in a dimension of magic and science. And uh, we're guessing that when he impaled Juggernaut's eyeballs on these magical swords, they also somehow sheared off the supports for the helmet. Or maybe his eyes were like, yeah, maybe his eyes are part of the helmet. I don't know. Or they're, they're just... Well, at, at least it's, you know, some sort of explanation. That's that's what we'll go with. So. Yes, yes. The, the structural integrity of this costume is... So uh, it, is it took a on. dimensional magic and science sword to take it off this time. So they're, they're adding a bit of fluff. It's not just, oh, they took his helmet again. No, they didn't. It was a dimensional magic and science sword. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now... In response, Juggernaut informs Shatterstar that his mother's a pansy or something. He's like, he's oh, okay. like well, your mother's a pansy. You're so, really <laughs> what are great. they, five or what? I think that I think that part of Rob Liefeld's whole act is that he's he's that everyday fan. He is that five-year-old still reading comics. So I think that's why some of this stuff appears in here. It's true. It's true. Uh, now, finally, Cable shows up outside and he confronts Juggernaut. Before this final battle can commence, however... Deadpool, like, comes up from under the ground and grabs Juggernaut by the ankle? Uh, right? Kind of? I mean, I, I, I don't know what we're looking at here, but all we see is, like, Deadpool coming up from under the ground, grabbing Juggernaut by the ankle, and uh, I'm guessing that Mr. Tolliver needs Marco as well because they vanish into thin air right there. <laughs> the worst part of this entire thing is that we just went two full issues... Mm-hmm. The only thing that happened was that they fought the Juggernaut. Like, that's yeah. literally everything that's happening here outside of Cable, you know, shooting Black Tom in the face. That's, yeah. that's the only two things that happened in this book. Mm-hmm. And this is what we get. A no contest. Like, what? Yep. A complete waste of two issues. And a crossover book at that. I mean, you sure. had McFarlane and Liefeld at the top of their game, and they put on a one-dimensional fight. I mean, what? Mm-hmm. Did the fight have any impact? It got Todd to leave Marvel. That's about it. Well. Did you have to have Spider-Man in this book outside of no, trying to trying to trying to give Rob some of that dirty Spider-Man money? Was there any other reason? No, zero reason. Zero then reason. on top of it all, you threw a sideways gimmick on it. Yeah, which has no use or consequence. It was hard to read. Like I didn't want to read mm-hmm. it. It yeah. was a pain in my ass to read this book. It is absolutely and oh. yeah, this uh, this didn't. What was this like forty something pages here, right? Easily, but think about it. These 40-something pages back in, say, 1987 mm-hmm. would have not even made up five pages. Seriously. For sure, for sure. There's 100%. nothing There's nothing that was said here that that dictated to have 40 pages of content. There's nothing. No, no, absolutely not. This was uh, very, very thin. Um, but we're not done yet because all front butt, front butt G-Dub arrives to, get this, arrest Cable. Um, now Cable pulls the old body slide by whatever gimmick <laughs> and he zips the team away and that's that. What have we just wasted our time on here? <laughs> Literally. Yeah, like we said, going in, we try to be as positive as possible with some of these Man. more notorious and dismissed books, but yeah, this was a hard one. It wasn't like, 
I still enjoyed, okay, so I'm going to be positive here for a minute. So <laughs> I still enjoyed seeing, you know, McFarlane at his height here with Marvel. I sure. uh, still enjoyed that, even though halfway through the book he decided, okay, I give up. He <laughs> you stopped know caring. I mean? yeah. yeah, he stopped caring, and his his work cuts off halfway through the book, and that, that's worth, worth a note there. Uh, mm-hmm. You also got to see both artists just before their um, their image debut. Yeah. Right now, Rob Liefeld himself, he's firing on all cylinders here, and he's not known for his depth or content. You know what I mean? Sure. So this this was classic Liefeld right here, but uh, yeah. man, it was a whole lot of uh, nothing happened in these two books. Totally, totally, yeah. And it's like you could tell that they're building something here with this Tolliver stuff going in the background, and uh, so I guess that's something. But I, again, I don't know that we needed forty pages forty pages to uh, tell this. Uh, and it's like who benefited here? Like we talked about, you know, did Spider-Man prop up X-Force or did X-Force prop up Spider-Man here? Both books were huge. X-Force will sell more copies than Spider-Man, um, maybe because of the big X-Wave, maybe because it was 75 cents cheaper. Um, but now, now think about this. You got two <laughs> people who are conspiring to build a company at this point. Sure. And nobody's nobody's going to tell me any different that they didn't have a, <laughs> have a plan in mind. Had already called Malibu and had. I bet you they had everything lined up because th- this was crazy. There's no yeah. way that Todd is walking away from a million dollar paycheck just out of nowhere. Nobody sure. does that. Nobody mm-hmm. does that unless they got a backup plan. So. I think that the two of the guys got together and were like, well, if both of our books are on fire, imagine how much money we can make if we put our, you know, our talents together. And they're just, you know, properties. Yeah. Yeah. They're on the, they're on the diving board there. Scrooge McDuck style. Dump, you know, diving (laughs) into their, uh, their pool of gold coins, man. That's what they were doing here. Crazy, crazy stuff here. But, uh, yeah, we want to, we want to know what your guys' thoughts are on this, uh, epic crossover. This will be the. I mean, this is going to be the only time we talk about Todd McFarlane in like the present tense on this show, um, because uh, he he's like the one the one dude who uh, left it to form image who actually stuck to his guns and never came back. Yep. So it's a uh, it's pretty interesting stuff here. Um, but as we did last time, we do have letters pages here. And uh, if uh, you recall last time, uh, Marvel editorial was being very, very lazy and just printing the letters without any sort of comment. And uh, we'll read just some of the highlights here. We're not going to go through line by line, but uh, we're going to start with one from uh, Rianne in Riverside. Hmm. And uh, her uh, main uh, issue here is that she wants Shatterstar to get some, quote, social status, whatever that means. <laughs> Sounds like Rianne just needs to get a life here. <laughs> if, if that's all you're thinking about at home, I wonder. All the, all the, all the things in the world to ponder, and she ponders... I wonder what would happen if Shatterstar got social status. <laughs> what? <laughs> what the fudge? <laughs> oh, man. Next one. Chris and Charlotte says Shatterstar should have killed Reaper back in X-Force number one. Um, believes that Tyler might actually be, spri- be Strife. <laughs> okay. And then wants to know if Spike Man, which is Spike Lee drawn by Rob Liefeld in the Levi's commercial, might ever become a member of X-Force. Oh, these are clearly fake letters or (laughs) on the sidebar, the dumbest fans who ever wrote to a comic in the history of comics. Seriously, who thought of Spike Man in the past 20 years? Anybody? No, no. That's the answer. Just us. Just us. Man. Uh, And, uh, you know, Tyler being Strife, uh, I I think Cable was pretty... uh, I think Cable 
was he basically laid it all out there that said you know strife cost him uh, cost him tyler so i guess you could maybe think it might be the same dude maybe he morphed into whatever but uh yeah we'll find out more about strife as we go absolutely now we got tommy in norway quote x-force number one was an example of true artistry (laughs) oh kill me dead now Quote, <laughs> take Rob, me COVID now. Take me. <laughs> quote, Rob Liefeld, what can I say? A penciler up against McFarlane and Jim Lee, and also an astounding writer. Holy. Wow. Wow. I mean, astounding is, is a word. <laughs> it doesn't have a valuation on it. Astounding could be could be many things. <laughs> yes astoundingly astounding so i always use this i always use the word something so if yes. someone if if i'm not trying to tell someone that something is garbage or something i'll just say hey, oh man that's really something <laughs> and, and this was really something astounding astounding what <laughs> mm-hmm. bad or <laughs> Who knows? Uh, we got. Well, <laughs> Go ahead. well, well, listen. I I think I think I know who Tommy in Norway is. It, this is actually Tom DeFalco <laughs> writing all these himself. <laughs> That's his contribution to this whole arc. <laughs> Gotta be it. Uh, we got Craig in Shreveport who wants to know more about Weapon X. That's gotta be, got, gotta, that's gotta be Kane. That's my Kane, Kane. <laughs> about all we need to know about that weapon x uh, for the moment um aaron in delaware loves rob's art but isn't keen on warpath nor juggernaut looking quite so huge well he just got to wait one panel and they'll uh, they'll slip back into the normal <laughs> size and they'll go up again and it's, like, it's like they're on this tra- <laughs> tragic weight loss program that they yo-yo back and forth panels they are. holy they are. cow like there's zero consistency. So one panel, you look at um, you look at Warpath, and he's mm-hmm. almost the same size as Juggernaut. And yes. then you see that he's almost a dwarf to Juggernaut. Then Juggernaut stands in front of others like Shatterstar, and they're similar in size. And it's just so up and down, like a yo-yo, no consistency at all. It's true. It's true. Uh, our next letter comes to us from Parts Unknown. This Ooh. is a John address withheld. Um, now, he suggests that X-Force might be the greatest Marvel comic of all time. Oh, I know who wrote this, Chris. <laughs> Who's that? Hulk Hogan. <laughs> it's definitely the, the only guy from Parts Unknown who has <laughs> distrusity running through mm-hmm. his veins. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we never trust anyone from Parts Unknown, Chris. We don't. Ultimate or not. No, no, no. And, and you know, there is a lot of distrusity in X-Force, I think. I think there are a lot of parallels. <laughs> it's it's full it. of distrusity. I would call mm-hmm. it like heaping, raging distrusity is what I would it call is. it. It is. A dollop of distrusity will do you. <laughs> now, our next letter comes from Bobby Brooks from Twin Peaks. Well, well, I mean, Fairfield. <laughs> oh. Um, yes, uh, he wants more Deadpool. And uh, for Bobby, all we have to say is be careful what you wish for. Oh. Oh, this is the equivalent of like the Zoltar wish machine giving Bobby from Twin Peaks his evil wish. <laughs> I can't wait to find like Zoltar in 2020 and send Harley Quinn, like Deadpool, Funko Pops, and Gail Simone straight back to hell from whence they came, is all I gotta say. <laughs> That's right, Gail, I said it. <clears throat> okay, now on to Cynthia in Alaska. 
who uh, wonders how Berto doesn't realize that friggin' Gideon's a bad guy. Join the club. Has he done anything to say he's a bad guy? He's done anything, cap- yeah. Yeah, he's, he got captured by another lame-ass bad guy. This is this is your extent of evilness here. <laughs> it's true. You fail upwards throughout the uh, ranks of evildom. <laughs> uh, we have, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name, uh, M-A-N-G-I-E, Mangy? Mangy? Mangy. Um, yeah, Mangy from Illinois. Says, uh, quote, Yo, Rob, keep your fly buttoned and your mind open. Peace. Oh, boy. Oh, Oh wait, Chris, we got one, <laughs> we got one more from the fans. It Ooh, reads, okay. yes, it reads. <clears throat> ready for this? Yes. Dear Marvel, remember when the company made great comics that came out on time and made sense? Neither do I. If I was in charge, I would file all your miserable asses. Signed, J. Shooterville Hovenstein. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these are uh, these are something else here. Um, <laughs> Like last time here, one of the things that tickle us are the uh, Make Mine Marvels, and uh, we have three of them here. Do you want to – we'll alternate here. you want to start us off? Yes, sir. So here we go. First, Make Mine Marvel. Until Domino finds out she's a mutated Dalmatian, Make Mine Marvel. Till Deadpool shuts up, make mine Marvel. <laughs> oh, man, I just, I'll, I'll top you with this one. Until Boom Boom runs out of time bombs, make mine Marvel. Where do they oh, come yeah. up with this? This just this hijinks. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. You, mu- you must have to go to school to, to, to learn <laughs> such jokes. Sir. Uh, no, I mean, I, are they I, even I, jokes? <laughs> I, I, I want to make a joke about what uh, what school they're going to, but I, I don't want to be inappropriate. No, that's not, that's not, not my deal. Inappropriate is not what I do. <laughs> But uh, yes, that is uh, the epic two-part Spider-Man X-Force Sabotage crossover event. Um, we really wanted to be positive about this. Uh, <laughs> we never, you know, we, we're we not like angry reviewers. We're no, not, we we no. don't want to be overly negative and we don't want to just make fun of things to make fun of things like, because uh, that's, that's easy. I mean, it's very easy to do. Um, but they're certainly making it easy for us. <laughs> they are. Yeah, they're, they're making it very hard to, to really stay even keel with this one. Um, next time out, we do get just a single issue, which will be the first time for our segment that it'll just be one book. And uh, it's going to reach into the X-Men lore. We're going to pull up a brand new Brotherhood of Evil Mutants to meet. Ooh, um, cannot wait. Yeah, so, I mean, that might be a little bit more grounded. It might actually build toward... Whatever Tolliver reveal, I mean, I mean, everything's going to get sidetracked with the external stuff, but we're not there yet. Um, but it's maybe that'll just be a little bit less epic <laughs> as this was. <'cause laughs> this one, despite, you know, warts and all, I, I think like we were supposed to feel like this was highly important. Very, very important stuff here. Um, it's a big crossover. It's like a... Yeah. It's a gimmick book. You got your sideways things. You got exactly. two of the major characters, X Force, the whole team, and you got Spider Man. I mean, this should mm-hmm. have been epic, but literally nothing happens. Nothing happens. It was just a time killer and a page filler, unfortunately. Yep. But uh, yeah, that was uh, that was that. Um, but before I let you get off uh, and and on to, on with the rest of your day here, uh, we're gonna dip into the Moratory Monday playbook here. Uh. As you know, together we go through that cover to cover. And 100%. We, yeah, so we cover even the bullpen bulletins and the uh, profile where they ask an editor or a staffer a bunch of very dumb questions that are sometimes answered honestly, sometimes answered in jest, 
almost always a waste of time, but we still do it anyway. Yeah, and thank I God think... that doesn't happen in 2020. Whew. <laughs> oh. Now, uh, <laughs> figure why not share the wealth here on this program? And uh, this is like the third or fourth time you're hearing me explain this concept. But we're going to go through and ask all the hosts the pod file questions, which are all the Marvel bull- bullpen bulletin questions, uh, and maybe learn a little bit more about each other. And, My God, uh, who's who's the guest? I can't wait. Is it Peter Rios? Well, not yet. Oh, uh, oh. <laughs> it's you. It's you. Oh. My God, I do declare. <laughs> I cannot wait. Now, first question here. What do you do? Oh, what do I do? What? Wh- where does my work go? Or what sure. do I do? Sure. Well, where, where does your work? Ap- where does your content appear? And what does your content consist of? Well, by God. I do a lot. I spend a lot of useless time on Twitter. So you can find me at Chris um, at Charlton underscore hero. Uh, I'm also the proud co-host of Moratory Mondays with with a certain guy who I uh, I think does some great work. I, I don't you know that he's guy all right. at all, Chris? He, yeah, he's, he's all right. right. Bit of an he asshole sometimes. He's all right though. He he won't follow me back on Twitter. I don't know. What he does. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm also a, a proud member of the the Podsman, which is a wrestling podcast group over on the W2M Network with Chris Sheehan again mm-hmm. and one of our buddies, Mr. Mark Radlich. He'll be joining uh, also, us next month. Yes, I can't wait. We actually got some wrestling to cover, which is which is going to be different. <laughs> <laughs> and I infrequently run a retro blog called the Superhero Satellite, where I used to cover comics, wrestling TV, tons of toys and all that type of stuff. I try to flow that over right now to a lot of my Twitter. So a lot of that uh, appears on my Twitter. So if you're into any of that, you can see a lot of that content right there. Um Outside of uh, outside of that, in uh, in real life, real Chris Bailey, Don Charlton Hero likes to do some radio commercials. Uh, part of my work gives me a little fun gig. I work for a uh, radio station, or mm-hmm. uh, on behalf of our company, I do some uh, some commercial spots for a, a radio station called Oz FM here in here in my city. And also one of my coolest uh, side gigs is that uh, I'm also a part-time ring announcer for Cutting Edge Wrestling. Mm-hmm. You can actually see some of my videos and the real Chris Bailey in all his wonderful slender glory on YouTube. <laughs> there you go. Very cool. Now, uh, you you kind of already answered this question here. I was going to ask, uh, is there any content that you used to make that you don't really do anymore? Or maybe that you used to make and you don't do so much anymore? Oh, man. So a lot of the stuff that I created in the past, like I've done work for the Retroist blog, for example. When I first started okay. blogging, mm-hmm. for example, you know, one of my big influences was the Retroist, which we'll get gotcha. into a little later. So I just took a shot in the dark and wondered, you know, is he accepting people to write for the blog? And sure enough, Retroist said, yeah, heck yes, we can use some content. So I did some posts for him. And I also got to appear. <laughs> it's a god awful one, by the way. If you want to hear the the raw beginnings of uh, of Chris Bailey and podcasting, you can see me on the uh, Retroist Halloween special. I think it was episode five or seven. I, I can't can't really recall. You can see it in the mm-hmm. show credits. But it was the Retroist Halloween special, and uh, boy, was that rough. Woo! <laughs> if I could slap myself and take the mic away from me, I would have back then, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I've also been fortunate enough uh, with with my blogging and all that stuff. I got hooked up with the Nerd Lunch podcast, so I was actually on a several episodes with those folks, and we did uh, the wrestling episode, which was a deep dive into uh, into all things uh, stupid wrestling. 
Uh, we also did the quarter bin Justice League, which was a bit of fun. We assembled like a, a riffraff Justice League, which was wicked. Uh, <laughs> and the one that my family will not let me down. So when I had my dreams of becoming a podcaster, right? Okay. One of my first real attempts at doing solo podcasting was covering top five cartoon dogs with the folks on Nerd Lunch. And uh, <laughs> when I came up over the stairs, I was very happy. You know, I was... I, Really enjoyed the topic. I can talk about cartoons all day long. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, you know, my family was like, so what was your uh, what was your podcast about? And I said, yep, top five cartoon dogs. My son does not let me live that down, Chris. He's like, what are you doing tonight, Dad? Talking about top ten cartoon dogs. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> that that or- might be something once uh, Moratory Mondays wrap up, we can uh- – we can we can do a deep dive on cartoon dogs. I've, I've I've taken too much mental abuse from from the cartoon dog thing, so I'm done on that topic. <laughs> no. Anyway, I, I also uh, Mr. Michael May over with the Nerd Lunch crowd had me on his fourth chair um, Army Invasion as well. We did a Men in Black episode. I was on with Jesse Starcher, our good friend, who's also mm-hmm. a part of Claremont to Claremont, on his um, the Source Material Comics podcast. And we covered such topics as. My favorite hero, Speedball. We covered mm-hmm. Civil War II in gory detail, and Terminator: Burning Earth, which is probably one of my uh, one of my favorite uh, favorite podcasts that I've ever done. Uh, <laughs> I have also starred with another guy who's came up quite frequently. This uh, this Chris character keeps popping up. I was on oh, Chris's yeah. on Infinite Earths, and uh, you know, I was on the Christmas episode, which we, was yes. You know what? I got to tell you, I got to tell you, no matter how many times I do podcasting, that Christmas episode, and I don't know what it is. Is probably one of my favorite favorite episodes. I was in the holiday vibe. Oh, for you know, sure. Every, everyone was happy at the house. Every like it was just a nice, peaceful way to launch Christmas, and I loved it. Now oh, that was a blast. I've been threatening this for <laughs> for a full year. The superhero satellite is the only one solo podcast that I've ever done. It has never been released. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's here sitting on my computer. No one has ever heard it, and maybe next time on on one of the podcasts, maybe I'll give you the uh, the opening. Maybe I'll send it over to you, and you oh, can play the, okay. just the opening credits for sure. to the superhero satellite. And we'll maybe we'll we'll squeak out five minutes or a couple minutes every every time and see what this is <laughs> about. I will warn you, it is fairly tragic. So there you go. <laughs> well, isn't that how Charles Dickens got his start? You know, just like a couple of pages in in regular magazines for over and over and over. So uh, we can, uh, we can this, make that happen. This one's not going to uh, to break the internet. Let's put it that way. <laughs> now, uh, what kind of hobbies you got? Oh, hobbies? Hello. Are you <laughs> kidding me? Like, well, obviously podcasting because obviously I'm here. Sure. I like to do blogging, which which I used to do. I don't do as frequently as much as I used to, and I'm almost embarrassed to say that I do blogging when it comes to uh, to my good buddy, Mr. Chris Sheehan, who blogs his ass off. So I actually I call myself a blogger by sharing Chris's work. I hope, that, I hope people will actually be confused that that the Chris who's writing it is actually me. So I'm trying to trying to glom off your success, bro. You're, you're going to get us both banned on Reddit. <laughs> oh, that's no problem. <laughs> I get shit canned on Reddit every five minutes. That's <laughs> true. But uh, but my my hobbies are you know comic books. I've been collecting since I mean uh, since New Teen Titans number one came out. I've been a mm-hmm. I've been a comic book fan. Uh, that was the first comic that I ever touched in my physical hands. But that I bought on my own, actually. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Uh, my mom used to work at a um, at a convenience store. She used to bring me a whole bunch of coverless ones, sure. and that's that's how I got into that. And I also Pretty like cool. wrestling. 
no, mm. no, no question about that. And I like vintage toys too. I pride myself in having like um, a fairly nice collection. I haven't even gone through nearly one quarter of what I own yet. So I got to nice. go through and I'm going to be posting some pictures on the interwebs for you. But I like Ooh. to, I also like to tell people that I have a ton of useless 80s knowledge. And I don't know how that uh, finds a purpose in the world, but somehow I do. <laughs> anyway. Well, when you when you wake up in the morning and you're feeling shy and lonely and you realize you got to go to school. Uh, <laughs> yes. Who knows? I could have been saved by the bell at that point. We don't know. It could have been. <laughs> but what, what's what's funny when it comes to when it comes to wrestling, I'll never forget how I how I jumped into that. So sure. I was literally like I didn't stay up late at all. My my parents used to have me in bed at a reasonable time, but mm-hmm. this time I, I fell asleep with my TV on. Okay. So I woke up, and this was, I think, circa 1986. This is when I, my dad always used to watch it, like all the way okay. to the early 80s. But this is when I caught on. So I woke up, and Saturday night's main event was on. Now, the main event was Hulk Hogan versus Morocco, and they were setting up WrestleMania 2 at this point. For Bundy, now, okay. Yeah, for Bundy. So anyway, I got to see Hogan being squashed you know, getting set up for WrestleMania mm-hmm. two. And I couldn't believe it. I was horrified. You know, this big Bundy squashed this, you know, Hulk Hogan, who was a rock star at that time. I mean, sure. his action figures are out and all that stuff. I was blown away. And that, and I never let go ever since that I've, I've mm-hmm. been watching every single show. And it's also explains why I, I wore my purple macho man shirt to high school until it was like sweat stains and it had holes <laughs> in the armpits. I mean, my room, if you saw my room, circa 1986 Mm -hmm. i mean it was covered in like those old ljn superstars posters you know what i mean those wrestling those mini posters you have any Mm -hmm. of those oh um i had them i'm sure i don't anymore i've got the figures but i don't think i have the posters anymore i i made the mistake of taping them to the wall and when we had to move them or done deal yeah i also had this beautiful when macho man won the uh won the world title at WrestleMania four. I had that Liz poster it was called lady and the champ and it had macho man and Liz and you know, Liz was sat okay. on a chair. Savage was there. Ooh, yeah, right there with the back with the belt on. I loved it. But <laughs> as, as for the LJ and toys, I'll make a confession here on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So I played with the LJ and toys, not only as a kid all the way through high school, <laughs> and maybe beyond that it was so pathetic i had a binder and i kept my match results i had continuity nice. in my story i'm not even joking not even joking <laughs> that's awesome no that that's you know I, I i in high school i uh i i didn't do the ljn so much after after you know i was you know younger then i shifted and, and made the gi joes the wrestlers oh and, hell uh, yes they were perfect i mean they were exactly so you could i mean there were a couple of times i could actually get a sort of kind of half-assed figure four on on one of them uh we, we, you know have one of them perform a figure yes. four and uh oh yeah I, I i was the same way i kept results and made fake belts out of paper and stuff i mean so, it was a it was a time for <laughs> toys i mean for toys just to talk about that for a second i was huge into star wars and gi yeah. joe and ljn wrestling brave star sector superpowers a uh, few of my favorites were like Six Million Dollar Man, Mask, Masters of the Universe, and I'm going to go on a rant here, mm-hmm. F and GoBots. GoBots. <laughs> and I'm sure people roll their eyes every time they see me post something on GoBots on Twitter because I posted so much, but they were cheap. <laughs> they were scaled properly because, you know, Joes were about three and three quarter inches, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So GoBots were about that same size. And okay. they paired well. So they paired well. They were like robots that went with my joes i thought it was great and when i needed mm-hmm. them to be a bigger scale 
Like if I wanted one of my Joes to ride on, there were super GoBots. So you had the different sizes. And I always okay. thought it was 10 times better because you had um, you had Transformers, but your Joes couldn't play with Transformers. Like they couldn't yeah. ride inside Optimus Prime. They couldn't ride inside Bumblebee. You know what I mean? They're all like up and down in between. Scale. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I think that GoBots are 10 times better. So screw you, screw you, Transformers fans. <laughs> now, out of all the uh, content you've created for this internet, is there anything that stands out as something you're the most proud of uh, creating? Oh, man. Listen, if I if I can say anything, like, I see so many of us, like, our, our little our little circle that, that are constant content creators, you know what I mean? And one of the proudest things that I did as a content creator was to uh, help build Superblog Team Up. So <laughs> that that's one of the things that, uh, you know, getting a small community around and then building that into, you know, a, a big blogging event that happens like four times a year was sure. probably... When it comes to content creation, that's probably my proudest moment because I got to work with and meet awesome folks like yourself. You know what I mean? And that mm-hmm. was huge in my right. mind. Now, other things that I'm pr- very proud of, I mean, uh, I'm a store manager in real life, if anyone doesn't mm-hmm. know. So I, I run I run a grocery store uh, that's the largest retailer in uh, in Canada. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's it's pretty awesome, and I, I love I love being a manager. It's it's one of the things. It's challenging and it's fun, and the company I work for is just treats me fantastic. So I you know I have the ability and I have the downtime to be Chris at home as well, which is awesome. Very cool, very cool. Now uh, here's one I'm a little nervous to ask. Um, what are your pet peeves? <laughs> <laughs> Bandwagoner, sir. And you know who we're talking about. Fake folks who suddenly have these opinions based in nothing but trying to get attention. You know what I mean? Mm. So I'm passionate about a bunch of stuff. I don't know about you, but I'm passionate sure. about comics. I'm passionate about comic or uh, cartoons and di- mm. just different things that I grew up with. If I grew up with it, I'm, I'm basically passionate about it. You know what gotcha. I mean? Sure. But you get folks who jump on a thing just temporarily and they, they actually impact your ability to participate in the habit. It's true. I mean, think about the nineties. I don't know about you, but here I was a dedicated comic book fan. I mm-hmm. bought comics more than anybody in my hometown to my knowledge. I might be wrong, but I used to have, you know, carte blanche when it came to being able to pick up my stuff and same with toys. Sure. All of a sudden, now I'm in competition, and these people are they're only buying them because they'll be worth something or put their kid through through high school, you know what sure. I mean? But it drove me crazy, Chris. And another thing that drives me crazy too is like when I walk in the mall and like there's a millennial and they're wearing like a G.I. Joe shirt or a Thundercat shirt, I'm just like, You don't know even know what that is. <laughs> I feel like going over and sitting them down. I'm like, okay, talk to me about Larry Hammer's run on Marvel Comics. Oh, you don't know what that is? Take off the shirt. <laughs> Take it off, hippie. <laughs> it, it is it is kind of funny because I mean, growing up, I mean, I grew up in the '90s as well, and if anybody like caught a whiff that you were a comic book person, you were taunted and uh, and made fun of. Even though like some of these people were doing it for the same reasons you mentioned here, just because they were you know the quote investment, yes. you would be mocked and uh, God forbid you wore a T-shirt with a with a comic book character on it or something because. They, those weren't in Target and Walmart like they are now. Oh no! You know, um, and now like you, you can't walk outside without seeing you know somebody in a Punisher T-shirt or somebody with the Superman S on their chest. Oh, it's heartbreaking it's a, almost. It, it is. It is because I mean, because you know people, 
have no idea what the source material is. They haven't read it. They're wearing a shirt because, hey, maybe it'd look cool on a rack. That's about the size of it. Yeah. And, and, and maybe, and maybe, and that's okay. I mean, sure. that's fine. I, I've bought shirts because they look cool too, but it, you got to understand that behind this shirt, there's a reason why that shirt sits on the rack. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? People have spent thousands and millions of dollars to get that shirt in a Walmart. You know what I mean? Yep. And it just, it feels, it feels dismissive. And, and I know that's probably petty, but, uh, you know, that leads me to my second pet peeve. Speaking mm-hmm. of petty. <laughs> I'm a wrestling fan, okay? Yes. I'm a wrestling fan. So what is and a people just think they're overwhelmingly just so smart when they come up to you and they go, you go, so what do you like to do? And I'm like, hey man, I like to watch wrestling. And all of a sudden they stop cold and they get this look on their face like someone. You know just, that's fake. <laughs> Chris, I could <laughs> grab someone by the tongue and haul it out of their ass. <laughs> I get that mad when someone says that. <laughs> oh my god how many times and just just the grin it's just that grin you just want to paintbrush him like andre did about yep. oh it's just they're so fake it's just so, oh just aggravating but th- those are the two things man it's just like posers who 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 jump on your stuff and all of a sudden are fans and they're in and out the door like walking dead fans are the worst you go you go on the internet and you try to see if you got graphic novels for sale, ninety percent of it's Walking Dead. You know, uh, being uh, being a used bookstore guy like I am, yep. yeah, the Walking Dead, uh, the Walking Dead shelves are overwhelming, and I want to say probably about sixty percent of that shelf is the first trade. Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah. So many people tried to bandwagon that that entire thing, and it was mm. driving me nuts. Like, I loved it. I read it from issue one right to the very end, right to sure. the bitter end. Every single month I read that book, and I loved it, every single bit of it. But people dropped that like a hot rock. I mean, most people have only seen seasons one through three. I've seen them all. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's just and it's it's just like flavor in a month. It's like, uh, I don't watch The Walking Dead anymore. It's, and it's just like wrestling. People who watch The Attitude Era – Sure. Or the, or the 80s. Oh, it's not as cool as when Macho Man was there. Hulk Hogan is not as good. <laughs> or when Austin was there was the best. And you're like, well, you shut up, you idiot. <laughs> I, I think I think basically what I, what I want to say is that, you know, just like what you like, for God's sake, like have a have a brain of yourself. And if you like mm-hmm. wrestling, just go ahead and like it. Don't worry about what Johnny down the street likes. If he's, you know, if he took on Game of Thrones because uh, Walking Dead wasn't cool anymore. Shut your mouth. <laughs> it's it's yeah because we're in that you know this social media age where you can't just like something anymore you have to be something now you have to like you can't just be a person who reads comics you have to be a, a quote comic geek or a comic fanboy oh, or and i and i know you, you hate that word. i know you hate it yeah, yeah i don't a comic geek or a nerd or something yeah it's like i don't i don't identify by my hobby i'm i like comic books i'm you don't you don't need to call me any sort of identifier um outside of guy who reads comics <laughs> that's, at the end of the day that's all it is but, yes but you're right it's uh we have to identify as things now and it's like i don't know what you'd call a walking dead fan is there a name for that is <laughs> Are you deadheads? I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, but, uh, I think I'd, I'd say well, deadheads would be grateful. The, dead, uh, yeah, the grateful dead. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know what you would call Walking Dead fans, but uh, well, basically, many people think that there's none left anyway. So there you go. So, but anyway, <laughs> well, folks, you, you can go to your uh, local Ollies and you can pick up that uh, that number one volume of The Walking oh, Dead right now for dirt cheap. <laughs> yeah, over and over again, you can wallpaper your house with it. Um, <laughs> 
Now, where were you born? Ooh, so I was born in, so Eastern Canada. Uh, most people think that Canada ends at Nova Scotia. No, mm-hmm. there's an entire island after Nova Scotia. I thought it ended New- in Toronto. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Silly Americans. <laughs> I feel like I feel like the Iron Sheik now. America. <laughs> no, sir. I was born in uh, St. John's, Newfoundland, which is actually mm-hmm. only 10 minutes from where I live right now. So. Oh, wow. A little bit about Newfoundland, I mean, it's got this unique culture and, of course, dialect, and I'm sure you can hear it from me, but um, <laughs> it, there, there's, there's sets of dialogue or um, – not dialogue. My God. Accent? Uh, yes, your accent. There's, there's different varieties of Newfoundland accent, and it is crazy. From one side of the island, from the west coast to the east coast, there's like four different strains, I'll call it, of really? people's dialect. It is crazy. How big, how big an island is it? Oh, not very big at all. Not, I, mean, I didn't think so. No, not very big at all. And um, one thing about it, though, it's like culturally it, it, it's different. It's it's almost like a Celtic vibe. So you got like Celtic music. There's like it's very scenic. It's friendly to live in. You know what I mean? And it's a I've friendly place. To live. And it looks yeah. it looks wild. And it the, is the architecture. It is. And it's it's very, very pretty. Now, one of the things that, you know, living in Newfoundland, we didn't get a lot of the stuff that you guys took for granted. So we missed out on stuff like Slurpees, for example. I didn't even have a Slurpee until I was like 13. That's not not fair. (laughs) Twinkies. I only had my first Twinkie when I was 11. Wow. Savage. Not not pleased. Not pleased at all. But I tell you, man, when I went into that 7-Eleven and I saw that Slurpee machine, I was like, I literally parted the seas like Moses. It was like, get out of the way. Man. My first one was a blue one, and it was so good. I just remember it. And another thing we didn't get, you know, all the, the uh, it used to drive me crazy because a lot of the comic book ads, a lot of the stuff, half of it wasn't available in Canada. So okay. even stuff like Remco toys, like you know, you had your Sergeant Rock toys, oh, and you had, and... we didn't get any of that stuff. Oh wow. So, so when the, uh, did you get the AWA toys up there? The uh, Remco oh, AWAs? None. Wow. Not the one. Which was really hard because you you go to the States and like on my vacation and you walk into a store and there's all these different toy lines that I didn't get. And it's just now Canada had their own toy lines as well. But I mean, they were Mm -hmm. to me, they were never as cool as that. So (laughs) anyway, that's Newfoundland. No, no Remco toy Slurpees or Twinkies, but uh, by God, it's beautiful. There you go. (laughs) Now, uh, what would you say is your greatest achievement outside of creating content for the Internet? Oh, my greatest achievement. Well, I'd like to say that it's my family and having giving birth to four children and having a wife. Uh, you know, I mean, everybody's going to say that. Of course, it's my greatest <laughs> achievement. My kids and my wife, obviously. Certainly. Uh, my <laughs> secondary greatest achievement. That's how I'll label that out. See, sure. I'm winning points. So years down the road, when my family listens to that, they'll go, see, he put us first. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well done. That's called padding the blow, folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think... I think outside, I think actually physically becoming uh, where I am in my career right now is probably the biggest thing that I've done because uh, when I was brought up in retail, I did a lot of different jobs. So, you know, I I went from uh, being elf at a uh, (laughs) at a mall to uh, being being um, upgraded to Care Bear. (laughs) There you, <laughs> you go. know what I mean? I was I was being worked for pizza, and then I became a loss prevention officer, which was basically catching shoplifters, which is a story all to itself. But uh, 
then I got on a fast track and you know what one I remember when I first started to try to become like an assistant manager and different things like that. I remember one manager who came up to me and he said uh, I was just making a joke. You know what I mean? To somebody that, hey, you know, I can't wait to become a store manager and do this. And now he overheard and he said, you're never going to be a store manager. And I was like, whoa, hmm. really? <laughs> and man. And man, it took it took probably about six or seven years after that. But man, when I first got it, it was I, I don't know what it was. It felt like it was just I had to sit down. Yeah, it was vindication. And and I wanted to rub it in his face and I wanted to wave it. In the <laughs> but I didn't. And it was just it was just, yeah, uh, I, I did it. You know what I mean? And I make great money. I got a great job and I got, you know, make a great living for my family. So sure. that is probably my biggest. Uh, and that, and that, that's a pretty boring answer, but. Man, no, no. I'm pretty proud of that, man. Certainly, no, that's definitely something to be proud of here. Uh, so, uh, what's uh, what's your oddest habit? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, my oddest habit has gotten me in trouble so many times. Uh, <laughs> I like to when nobody is around. Uh, well, that's that's another question. That's another but, question. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. When uh, when I'm by myself in the uh, in the throes of boredom, I like to sing. And I like okay. to sing very loudly, and I like to uh, reach octaves that uh, have never been reached in the history of man before. <laughs> not, even, not even by Paula Abdul. So, no, exactly. My God, opposites attract. <laughs> <laughs> my socks, they've left my feet. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> that is definitely a bad habit I have as well, you know. <laughs> but uh, we're talking about less shady stuff. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so I'll tell you a story. So here I am, and I like this. If I'm in the car, if I'm in the shower, I like to belt it out, right? So if I'm driving from home and I'm not listening to a podcast, I'll have the radio up and some of my favorite bands are on, and I'm I'm rocking it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I've had the experience like an office space where somebody's right next to me and they're watching me and I'm belting it out. I've got the hands in the air, Freddie Mercury style, leveling that song. You know what I mean? One time, my phone actually dialed my house. No. I was singing some blue rodeo from Canada like nobody's <laughs> business, and my wife and my kids were dying. It was <laughs> after after I finished the song and we were about to switch into another one. It was like, Dad, Dad, oh, Dad, no. I. And you just felt like your insides die a little bit. You, you know just what I mean? Keep driving and don't. Oh stop. yeah! Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> but that is that is definitely uh, outside of the uh, lose, losing losing half of my uh, tube socks. That is definitely my baddest habit. <laughs> any any particular songs that are uh, that are especially tempting to uh, to belt out? God, so I love. Uh, I I won't get into them all, but like uh, bare naked ladies. I okay. like to sing. I like to sing bare naked ladies. You songs. like you like to sing their one song. <laughs> you shut up. <laughs> I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of a certain era, but I'll uh, I'll get to that in the past. So <laughs> if I had a million dollars and one week and different things like that, I I love belting that stuff out and and of course songs by my favorite uh, my favorite singer. But I'll I'll get into that a little bit later. Cool, cool. Now uh, here's one of the sillier questions that I, I I've been really enjoying. Uh, who would play you in a movie? Oh, that's so easy. Of course, when listen, Chris, when you think of Chris Bailey or Charlton Hero, I know exactly who you think of. Hmm. Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> yep. Yep. I definitely, definitely want to be played by Michael B. <laughs> Michael B. Jordan. Uh, that's all the rage right now. What? What? What are you laughing at? What? What? That's, that's not you, a good. You hit that, it right on the head. Not, not, <laughs> that's right. 
That's what everybody thinks of. You know what I mean? Like if, if Hollywood was casting Chris Bailey, it would be Michael B. Jordan because that's what we do right now. Right. It's all the rage. <laughs> now I had thought of while I was thinking about this, I was putting some real thought into it. Right. Mm-hmm. I was thinking the only one besides Michael B. Jordan who might be able to play me is like Amy Schumer. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> another good choice. Right. See, I mean, that's that's exactly what people think. You know what I mean? My God, you know, Michael B. Jordan, he's so, you know, he's such a, a manly black man. And, you know, mm-hmm. Amy Schumer is this beautiful, you know, large lady. And she's, it's be perfect for Chris. <laughs> if, if, if somehow we can get them to procreate. <laughs> oh, they, oh, my God. The world yeah, would collide. Are. That would be it. That would be the ultimate you. And, and, you know, they could play you. They could play your entire life story. Yeah. <laughs> but in, in in real life, I think uh, if I had a choice, mm-hmm. and this will never happen, but I would have always loved because he's a chameleon. This guy, I would have loved to have Robin Williams take a crack at me because I guarantee okay. you that guy could have done any personality and sure. any voice. He could have done anything. But if I had my choice, it would definitely be Robin Williams. But most folks who know me think that I actually look like Bruce Pritchard. I was just about to say, when you asked me just now, I was going to say yeah. Bruce Pritchard. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they say I look like Bruce Pritchard. So I guess, I guess in real life, I guess brother, brother love. Brother of love. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Damn. Anyway. If, if we can get Robin Williams to play brother love playing you. <laughs> that'd yeah, be damn it. I'm, I'm Bruce Pritchard. Damn it. <laughs> I guess you're so, my Conrad. <laughs> roll Tide. Um, <laughs> she's roll tied. Let's keep it moving here. Um, <laughs> so why comics? Why do you why do you choose to talk about comics? Oh my God, so much! Listen, every single part of your life, you you know when things happen. It's almost like a almost like a roadmap. You know what I mean? Yep. So I can place a comic book or a purchase of a comic book or a toy in any part of my life. And I can say, this happened here. This happened here. This was such a great moment because I bought this. And a lot of my growing up revolved around going to the grocery store, going to the drugstore and picking up my, you know, $20 worth of comics. That was, that was what I did as a kid. I didn't spend time drinking or I didn't spend time doing drugs or smoking. I, I did none of that. I always right on up through high school, that's literally what I did. I, mm-hmm. I bought comics and it's it was such a big part of my life, starting all the way back when when my mom worked at a convenience store and she brought me home that first box of coverless comics. I thought sure. I had the world here it was, you know, I used to watch Spider-Man. I used to watch, um, you know, some of the DC characters on, on TV or on VHS and just to see them in comic book form. I was blown away and it just it never stopped, man. It was mm-hmm. just an obsession. I still have today. Like I, I still don't like frequently buy weekly issues. Or, yeah, or weekly issues, but um, I'm more of a graphic novel type guy right now. But man, like, it just means a lot to me, man. And just to see them sitting in a box and just being able to pull out each one and go, oh, man, this was when I went on a camping trip. And sure. this is when me and my friend John read Speedball number one in a sewer tube. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, it just means something. So it does. Love yeah. It. yeah. No, and it, it is very unique that, you know. With it being a periodical, I mean, you have a month and a year to uh, to attribute to just about every single issue, and uh, you can, like you said, it is a roadmap through your life. Uh, yep, definitely. It's so weird how, like, just these seemingly random issues or entire runs, you can almost place yourself with almost every single issue of of certain runs. It's a, uh, it's 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 very interesting, and I think it's unique to uh, to our little uh, habit and hobby. Definitely. And, uh, part of what makes it so special. Now, speaking of special, 
What do people in high school think of you? <laughs> I think they thought I was a little bit nuts. So I, I didn't, I did I didn't fit into popular mold. I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. Nothing. And my friends, they were the same way, man. My friends were the nerd herd. You know, we weren't mm-hmm. the popular kids. We weren't the king at the prom. And it didn't even matter. Our circle of friends are still friends to this day. You know what I mean? Lifelong sure. friends. You know, I can call them up and we can have a conversation like it's. It was yesterday. And sure. that that and that's that's loyalty to me, you know what I mean? That that's a big deal for me. I was known as like the wrestling guy, even when it wasn't cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Here I'm wearing the Coco Beware shirt when everybody else was like, What are you wearing? Holy God, do you see that guy with the Coco Beware shirt? <laughs> what a well, nerd. When you when you ha- when you have high energy, you can't hide it. <laughs> oh yeah, baby. <laughs> but one of the funny things was uh it, I, it, I didn't really take the abuse that that many of the folks did, you know what I mean? Okay. Because funny thing happened. I was like a chubby little kid growing up through high school and all, or just before high school. Mm-hmm. But I started to slim out, and I actually got a weight set and a boxing set for Christmas. So I started mm-hmm. to add muscle. I thinned right out. I put on some bulk. And all of a sudden, I was starting to get a little bit bigger than the rest of my class. Mm. I started to hulk up a little bit, you know what I mean? So I could sure. handle myself. But – you know, there was still, I would say, mild taunting. Now, I wouldn't call it bullying because I, I didn't, I can't really say I experienced that, but some taunts, you know what I mean? And it, and it was like, I got to shut this shit down. So now all of a sudden <laughs> I'm bigger than a lot of these folks. Sure. And I remember vividly, I walked into gym class one day and I said, you know what? I'm done with these idiots. So I started getting very aggressive. So I took on like the best guy who was playing basketball, I just went right after him and I stuck to him like glue. And he was like, what the hell is going on with this guy? He's like (laughs) crowding me. He's bucking me out of the way. He's throwing me around. And I was just sending a message, you know what I mean? And it went from, so anyway, I started throwing these guys around and man, I'm telling you that stuff shut down. I was like Ron Simmons, man. I was on blankable. (laughs) No joke. (laughs) I literally in the middle of class one time, this is, this is crazy because if this happened today, uh, one guy said something to me while in the middle of class, okay? It was something about a hockey team or something. Anyway, I literally went back. I hauled him out of his seat, and I gave him a pile driver on the floor right in class. <laughs> the teacher didn't even know what to do. They just stopped, and every, everything was like, what just happened? So anyway, I'd like to apologize to Peter Toms. So there you go. It's <laughs> a, a good thing that didn't happen in, in the current uh Oh, current no, no, year. no. I would have been, been in the boys' home somewhere. <laughs> Big time. Now, uh, who are some of your favorite performers? All right, here we go. So movie-wise, I like Mark Hamill. I'm a big fan of Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to not necessarily performers, but they are performers all into one. So Stan Lee. Okay. He's definitely a showman for Marvel, and I oh, love sure. his – absolutely. Uh, Jim Henson. Mm-hmm. Super big influence on me. And Steve Jobs. All of these folks – are like the ultimate pitch men for their products. And I just love those guys. I glommed onto them. For performer-wise, Axl Rose is probably my favorite singer. And brother, I used to belt a mean Axl. Mm, that's the uh, Rob Liefeld of uh, rock and roll. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I'm giving you the middle finger. Newfoundland <laughs> right now. Uh, and Stephen Page, the original Bare Naked Lady singer. It just, I love his voice. Uh, he's no longer with the band, of course, because of some uh, some cocaine stuff. But uh, I digress. Those are those are absolutely my favorite performers. Was he pre one week or after one? Week? Oh, he was definitely one week. Oh, that was him. Okay, that was him. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. gotcha. Chunky gotcha. white guy with glasses. Hmm. <laughs> was, was he? Uh, did he ever show up on uh, the the new Degrassi? I know one of them did. 
<laughs> he was not one of those, I don't okay. think, though. Okay. Now, uh, a question we have a lot of fun with on Moratory Mondays here. Uh, what's the last good book you did or didn't read? <laughs> so I'm cheating a little bit, but the last book that I can physically say that I got through was actually Misery by Stephen King. And that was quite recent, actually. Really? I downloaded some audio books and I listened to it over the course of a week going back and forth to work. So it, mm-hmm. it was sort of cheating. You know what books that I just can't get through? Mm. And and I like to say that I read them and tell people that I read them, but I, actually I haven't. And I'm just I'm just going to confess. <laughs> Dune. I just can't get through those friggin' books. They are just a I've never chore. Even tried. Yeah. Oh, Chris, it is eyeball torture. Eyeball torture. <laughs> so I I even and just forget Dune for a second. Lord of the Rings. Never even tried I have, those. Either. I have told people that I've read Lord of the Rings. I've only watched the movies. <laughs> That's it. I, I get so far into them. Like, like I, I have tried. Brother, brother, I have tried. But I cannot get through any of those books. They're too long. The verbiage is just so old school English. It, it's hard to get through. And when those movies came out, I was like so glad because now I could be part of the conversation. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but man... I can't read Dune and I can't read Lord of the Rings, but I've told people a hundred times that I've read them. So there you go. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> now, now, speaking of movies, uh, what's the last good movie you saw? I judge a movie by my emotional response. And there were three recently that gave me that uh, that emotion. So um, Star Wars Rise of the Skywalker, I'm telling you right now. Hmm. I know a lot of people crap all over, but that was just like, man, saying goodbye to old friends. It was like seeing your childhood end. Mm-hmm. They just wrapped everything up with a nice little bow. They touched on everything. Everything you loved about growing up at Star Wars was amazing. But are you know, they not one... going to make any? Are they not going to oh, make? Oh any yeah, but, but not. Oh. But not with the not with the uh, Luke Skywalker saga. You know what I mean? Oh okay, okay. Yeah, so that that's pretty well done. But part of part of the thing right now is I take my kids to movies. So you know, it's like Christmas Day now. It doesn't mean as much to me. But what really means something to me is actually seeing my kids open up stuff. You know what I mean? Absolutely. That's what makes me happy. Yeah. But bringing my kids to movies is another thing because I get to see their response and their excitement, and it, and sure. it makes me excited. And, man, let me tell you something. When I took my boys to Avengers Endgame, mm-hmm. it was an out-of-body experience. It was literally – my kids were so excited for that, Chris. There was a part <laughs> There was a part where Thanos is just kicking ass in this movie. He's slaying the Marvel Universe, you know what I mean, with the Infinity mm-hmm. Gauntlet. And uh, Thor's hammer, of course, goes goes errand and it's flying through the air and Captain America grabs it. And man, that theater came on glue. My kids almost jumped out of the seat <laughs> like the, the audience was cheering, like tears coming down their face. So excited. It was unbelievable. But I mean, they took the time. They built a universe. And this mm-hmm. was the big payoff. There's another scene where Iron Man snaps his fingers and he opened up a portal and all these characters that died in the first movie came back. And Spider-Man, when he showed up on screen, I'm telling you right now, there was, it was just a burst of joy in a theater that that I could, I could, I just can't bottle it. It's just like, Hmm. wow, like crazy. (laughs) So, and of course the, uh, the last one was uh, Toy Story 3. I sat there like a flubbering baby at the end of that movie, just crying out loud, just a man baby, almost had to be consoled to get out of theater. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. When I when I heard that there was a Toy Story four, my first thought was there was a Toy Story three. Oh yeah, and it I was. Didn't great. even know. I didn't oh, even it know. Was so good. Very cool. Very cool. Now, what would you say is uh, the biggest influence on your creating content for the internet? 
uh, that's got to start with Comic Geek Speak. So, I mean, mm-hmm. when you're talking about uh, podcasting, sure. Uh, Peter Rios, Brian Deemer, Jamie D, Murd and Pants, those were those were guys I grew up with, and those were the first podcasts about comics that I listened to. Literally mm-hmm. got me got me back into comics. And of course, mm-hmm. then there was the Retroist. Mm-hmm. Retroist talked about everything geeky, everything nerdy, and man, I just I just wanted to be part of that. So over time with Superblog Team Up and all that stuff, I actually got to work with Peter Rios. I actually got to work with the Retroist. And to me, that was just like, holy cow, like these are the guys that I listened to. It was such a thing. Sure. And of course, these days, well, with Superblog Team Up, I got to work with content creators that could blow those two guys out of the way, like yourself and uh, Mark Radlich. I mean, I don't know if I know anyone who's a harder worker at blogging and podcasting than, than you guys. So <laughs> being a part of super blog team up and just getting to meet guys like you just, phew, uh, I'm, I'm blessed man, because I I'm surrounded <laughs> by talent is all I got to say. That's awesome. That, that, that means a lot too. That, uh, that, that's you, really bro. cool. <laughs> um, now, uh, out of all the work you have done, uh, creating content for the internet, what would you say is your greatest unfulfilled ambition? Ah, this is like writing your obituary, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the one thing that I really want to do is hmm. to a lot of my heroes are Jim Henson, Walt Disney, Steve mm-hmm. Jobs, all, all these guys. You know what I mean? Those are those are the guys that made it. You know what I mean? They left sure. the impression on life. So I always wanted to and it's pretty cheesy. I always wanted to create a set of characters that will appear in like a comic or a movie, or toys, or something, that'll be like a legacy character. Like, I look at Mickey Mouse, I look at Charlie Brown, or just mm-hmm. Superman, or just iconic. Kids know who they are, they wear the shirts, they got theme parks built around them. I want to leave my legacy as almost like a Muppet, or, <laughs> or an iconic <laughs> cartoon character that, you know, just represents happiness and gives kids joy, you know what I mean? That's what mm-hmm. I want to do. It may sound stupid. No, not at all. But when I go on, I'd like to know that generations would like my work or like something that I created and, sure. you know, give give my kids something to say that, hey, my dad created, you know, Mickey Mouse or Spider-Man mm. or something like that. That's that's what I wanted. That, that's probably the one thing that I I'd like to leave as my legacy. I think you're going to make everyone else's ambition seem a little uh, shallow <laughs> after that. <laughs> well, I think about it a lot, man. I do. I think about it a lot. So for sure, for sure. Um, now. You know, we talk about a lot of the fun things about doing what we do here, but uh, what would you say is the worst part of creating content for the Internet? Uh, abusers, man. Folks who use you or your work to to glom up, to basically steal your interactions, to, mm. uh, you know, get you to participate in theirs, but don't give anything back in return. You know what I mean? Okay. That, that drives me crazy. So you get people who, you know, they'll ask you to share their stuff but all of a sudden if they don't return the favor and that that sort of hurts man because yeah. some folks i i like to help i i think i'm a a part of i'm a good part of the comics community i'm someone who shares a lot of people's work you know i i, I want other folks to be seen that's what super block team up's all about it's not about me and the super and the superhero satellite man mm-hmm. i sure i write a post every now and then but to me it's about sharing getting it out there having the event you know there's nothing more that I love than to hear about somebody who just started up a blog and all of a sudden because of super blog team up, they've got, you know, they, they actually got some hits. So they, you yeah. know, before they might've had like one person and maybe it was their mother who looked at their blog <laughs> and all of a sudden now they have 14 people or maybe they got a hundred people who looked sure. at it. 
and just to hear that man it's it's just it's just rewarding to me but just having that that piece where people just they take but they don't give back you know what i mean and that that mm-hmm. really really drives me crazy so but you know that that's probably that's probably the most and of course when you work on something for so long, you put your your soul into a, a podcast or you put your soul into a blog post, then nobody reads it. Yeah, that's a tough <laughs> it's, the, it's the void. You know what I mean? It's the it void. Is. And I'm sure I'm sure a lot of people when it comes to content creation, you want your stuff to you know, you want your stuff to do well. You want to know mm-hmm. that you've contributed something. But in the end, sometimes not everything's a home run, you know what I mean? Despite that's you true. putting putting your heart and soul into it and sometimes it's disappointing but i the way i look at it now i think that some stuff that i write uh is is more evergreen than it than it meant in the moment you know what i mean so when someone discovers my captain power blog post and enjoys it that means a lot to me you know what i mean yeah so it's kind of cool yeah absolutely yeah but it, it is always you know shouting into the void is very very difficult it's uh definitely one of the harder parts uh of creating content it's uh yep it's always kind of like on your shoulder, you know, you're <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. It and it is, doesn't it, feel good, man. It doesn't feel no, good. You know what I mean? No. But, uh, I, I've managed to get over, <laughs> I managed to get over myself quite a <laughs> while, but, uh, it, it's not easy because I mean, it's no. something that I'm proud of when I put stuff out, I'm proud of it at the time. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe after the first two weeks, not so much, but Hey, <laughs> there you go. Man. Um, now you alluded to this a little earlier, but, uh, when nobody's looking, what do you do? I like to sing like a mother. I, be- I belt out my GNR while I'm driving, man. I'm, <laughs> I, I, I feel that I'm actually the lead singer of Bare Naked Ladies at least 20 minutes on my way to work every day. <laughs> I like to sing karaoke very loud and very passionately. But other things I like to do, actually, in my spare time, I like to watch 80s cartoons, what I grew up on, man. I, mm. I literally love sitting back turning on YouTube and just watching something that I grew up with. And it's, it's, it's hit or miss because some of the stuff I recall love it as a kid. It's uh, it's so hard to watch right now. Some, sometimes the characters all gather around a bubble and then they look inside the bubble and it's Lionel Richie singing a song. I, I, I don't know what it could be. <laughs> Dancing on the ceiling. <laughs> oh man, nothing like it. And nothing reading, like com- it. reading comic books too. I don't, I, you know, I don't go around advertising. Look at me. I read comics. I'm a nerd. Look at me. I'm big bang theory. Look at me. I'm Sheldon. <laughs> no, I don't do that. But it, it strikes people funny when they walk into my office at work or something, and here I am reading a comic that I took <laughs> off the shelf down uh, down off the book table. You know what I mean? I'm thumbing through an Archie or something. They're like, mm-hmm. you know, comics are for kids, are you? And I'm like, yeah, I do. And wrestling's not fake either. Get the freak out of my office. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, our final question here. Um, we've asked a bunch of questions, and we've learned a lot about you over the past couple months, but. In light of that, is there anything we haven't covered that you think the people ought to know about you? Yeah, you know what? I don't visit restaurants that don't sell nachos. <laughs> I have a saying. It's no nachos, no Chris. It's a very simple theory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you can if you can't wrap your head around throwing some cheese over some tortillas, I can't help you. Your restaurant is not fit to go to. So <laughs> But anyway, no, you know what? 
I'm a passionate guy. I'm passionate about what I what I love, my uh, my hobbies, my family. That that's what I'm passionate about. And I've got my likes and I got my dislikes. And I feel that if someone had to wrap me up, I'm very protective of my childhood, what I grew up with, my journey. You know what I mean? As a sure. that sounds that sounds pretty stupid. But, uh, you know, even though I was probably a prototypical nerd, per se, in high school who wasn't popular, I didn't care. I, d- I didn't need to have the, the best dance at the date or be the, you know what I mean? I didn't need sure. to do drugs and all that stuff. And you know what? I'm proud of that, man, because I tell you what, I ended up landing a very beautiful woman as my wife. Mm-hmm. And she is like the song. She's like way above me. I've got four kids. I've got a grandchild. And uh, listen, man, my my friends are still my friends, and um, everything is good with me, man. I, I don't have a complaint in the world. I love I love talking to the people on a podcast. Something as mm-hmm. simple as this. I I love having this this ability to vent and just be be able to contribute to comics and be able to contribute to my hobbies. As and that's all I wanted to do as a kid, just be part mm-hmm. of something I loved. And man, I'm all about it right now. And uh, I got to thank you. And uh, a few of the other folks for introducing to me, man, because it, it means a lot. So Absolutely. thank you, no, sir. It, it means a lot that you uh, spend this time hanging out with me, too. Uh, I I always think of me, of myself, as sort of a, a thorn in everybody's side, where I don't think anybody really wants to spend time, but uh, <laughs> it's been proven wrong a few times. So oh, it's, uh, no. oh, listen, it man, means I, a lot. And I'm going to give you some credit. Uh, you give people <laughs> opportunity, man. And uh, that that's, that's a big deal. And uh, you've taken... Uh, You've taken a lot of folks and uh, gave them an opportunity, gave them a voice over at the blog, over on the, uh, over on your podcast, and uh, sure. it mean it means a lot to me, sir. So I I thank you for that. Very cool, very cool. But, but uh, I think uh, we'll we'll cut the uh, mutual admiration society bit here. <laughs> uh, so we yeah, can... Now you, you can screw off, Chris Sheehan. <laughs> yes, we can. Stupid uh, idiots. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. Just ask. Uh, Ask anyone who's met me in real life. Um, but uh, I want to thank you again for hanging out uh, for this epic two-part, because uh, we did sw- we did speak about a comic book earlier on today. Um, so I want to thank you for spending your time here, and uh, we will do this again next month. Uh, if there's anything else you want to tell the folks, uh, I'll just send it over to, I believe, Excalibur, if not. Ooh, I can't wait for Excalibur. I hated every, I loved every issue. (laughs) (laughs) Without further ado. (laughs) Take care, everybody.